We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sam, listeners, Lightyear's podcast, do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Wow, that's amazing. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open up the Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment and made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. And welcome to the Light Years Podcast. Derek Carr playing the game of his life. And of course, Patrick Mahomes like, that's cute. I'm still going to win. So anyway, we're uh, recording this at the end. I know the feeling. I know the feeling. (laughs) Everyone knows the feeling, but I understand. Um, Andy, how you doing? Uh, You know, pod number 26 of the week. So we're a daily show now. We are a daily. The daily show with Sam and Andy. That's, no one's uh, no one's asked for it, but we're doing it. Um, we have a special guest this week. So, um, from the Blue Wire Network, uh, Doctor Raj, or I guess I'll let you intro yourself. On how would you like to be introduced on, Raj? Uh, as a Lakers fan. Uh, uh, wait, never mind. No uh, guests this week. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, uh, no. Uh, Dr. Raj, Raj is fine. I'm a physiotherapist, expert kind of in sports med. And so, you know, I do a lot of analysis on player injuries. I'm assuming that's why you guys have me on here. Um, oh, no, we're, we're having you on to discuss, um, you know, Dennis Schroeder. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, 
I'm just, I'm just giving Raj a hard time here. Uh, Raj probably got a hard time here. Uh, we, we, we tweeted out and shared his video on Clay's injury. Kind of my go-to source anytime there's a sports injury, puts out great videos that kind of break it down for those of us who are not medical professionals to kind of have some semblance of perspective of what we're discussing here. So, um, yeah, so the last week for Warrior fans, kind of rough. Really excited for the draft. Was not expecting to get the Shams notification that Clay has injured himself and subsequently find out he's ruptured his Achilles. So I want to start here. The the Warriors said the type of injury he can make a full recovery from. Can you give context to that? Because to me, the Achilles is the scariest injury for a basketball player. I'd agree with that. Other than like a quad tendon tear that Oladipo had, I'd say Achilles is is probably the hardest. And so when they say full recovery, they mean full recovery in terms like functionality. That doesn't mean like he's going to be back to the player that he was. Full recovery is a medical term for he won't have like long lasting disabling effects. He could be able to live his life. How does that apply to a bas- basketball court? That's a different story. Damn, that bar is low, <laughs> right? That bar is low in, in terms of like, for, obviously like you wanted to make a full recovery, but it's, you know, usually you look at like Alex Smith, right? If you hear Alex Smith's getting a full recovery, then you're like, awesome. Because it looked like he might have that leg amputated with, with clay. Yeah. Then, you know, that, that didn't seem like it was ever the case. So, it sounds like he's going to be able to get back to be able to rehab, but like, like what we've seen in the past, like Rudy Gay, uh, DeMarcus Cousins, Wesley Matthews, Wesley Matthews, right? Those guys, like, like, do are we expecting Clay to be somewhat like that? Because DeMarcus Cousins looks like his career is just about over in terms of being like, actually, it was over a couple of years ago in terms of being like a star. Like, what should we expect out of Clay, provided he makes that quote unquote full recovery? Yeah, I think the best example is actually Wes Matthews, just in terms of play style, in terms of you know, perimeter defender, start, stop. The, the biggest variable here is the fact that Clay is now coming off the ACL and the Achilles. So let's say he's back in October for starting next season. That's 28 months without basketball. That's a long time to be able to, to then come back and try to then reacclimate. And so that's the really the key question is how does that lay off set him back and typically after an Achilles without any other injury like all the evidence the research shows it takes about over two years to get back to pre-injury levels if ever wow now you combine that with an ACL injury right that's the question that's that I mean that's really the confounding factor in all of this are both those injuries in succession do you think that do you think that that ACL, I guess it doesn't matter, but I'm curious. Do you think that ACL kind of caused that Achilles? Like, was it because it's a different leg? The ACL was a different leg, right? Yeah. Um, it was on the other side. I forget left or right. The, but like the novice, I think what Andy's getting is the novice uh, perspective is who's overcompensating. Yeah, we're noobs, so we don't know, obviously. His... Yeah. No, and, and that's true to an extent. The noob here is right. And so, um, so. I mean, ACL injury, we, it shows that after an ACL injury, after an Achilles injury, any major lower body injury, you have increased co- uh, injury risk all along your lower body. And so that's inherent. For example, I think there's like a, 
a five percent increase in injury risk on the opposite ACL after an ACL injury. Like mm-hmm. that's obviously the opposite ACL, but it's just showing that even the opposite leg is now more at risk. Just because that's how the lower body works, right? It's all think about it like a chain link fence. When one weakens, the rest tapes on more load. Over time, one of those links can break. We saw that with Jared McKinnon, who who tore his ACL, tried to came back, try to come back, and then I don't think he retore, but he was out again, and, and he was out yeah. for like a year. He had a severe partial. I mean, he had a partial tear, but like you said, like then you have fitness deficits, right? When you haven't played, and that's the thing with Clay. He still hasn't played in in a in a uh, a, a real game for now. What's going to be at least twenty eight months? Does the does the ACL tear prolong? the rehab time on the Achilles tear, or is it not really related? I'm, I'm just thinking from the perspective, like he, he was what, 16 months post yeah, ACL I mean, tear, something in that range. I like, he, he's well beyond it. We're not talking about like in the next six months. So. I, mean, I think if anything, it, they might just be a little more conservative with him because he has those long lasting right. fitness deficits, right? His conditioning might be lower. So they might just be a little more uh, conservative and also, also something we don't really think about or way people don't think about is the mental component, having to come back after a major injury. I don't know if any of you guys have gone through like a knee injury or anything, but like you're, you're scared, right? Like you don't know what your body can handle. And a lot of athletes talk about that for a while. Like the last hurdle is trusting their body. So now you not only have an ACL, you're dealing with an Achilles too. So that could be an added component for him. So just just superficially, he he tore it obviously last Wednesday. That's the 18th. He's getting sur. I don't think he's got surgery yet, but yet. with the, with the Achilles, typically you get surgery. You don't have to wait as long as the ACL, correct? Yeah, I mean ACL typically comes with a lot of swelling, right? So you have to wait for that to subside. Achilles doesn't usually have that much swelling. So I'm sure we'll get some report that he's getting surgery sometime in the next week or two. So let's just assume he's getting surgery end of November, which we're in now. Um, What is a realistic timeline to when we can see him on an NBA court? And obviously you talked about two years as like a more realistic time frame for him to be back to playing at a higher level, but like just to get back on the court. I mean, typical return from Achilles is about nine months. And then West got back in about eight months, if I remember yeah. correctly. Rudy, Rudy Gay was about eight and a half. And so yeah. I, and you, Kobe you could see was him. seven. Yeah. Yeah. And so you can see, I think you could see him back to the start of next season, right? Assuming it's in October. Sure. Normal timeline. Right. Yeah, okay. exactly. Yeah. So this is something I brought up on the last episode, and it was me just kind of postulating that I don't think we'll ever see Clay Thompson, um, the player we, you know, knew the all-star, the the playoff, like, you know, one of the better clutch players in the league. Um, I think when he comes back from injury, it's likely he may have to take a much smaller role, like 20 ish minutes. Um, And I, and I only say that because like, that's what Rudy Gay and Wes Matthews are the last two uh, players who tore their Achilles that I can think of have had to do. Obviously, neither of them yeah. were as good as Clay Thompson, but but my point is, do you think at this point, like you know, the the days of Clay being a guy who can play thirty five minutes per game and 
uh, you know, kind of be one of the kind of the workhorse players of your team are just gone? Unfortunately, yeah. And I mean, that's just based off the players you're talking about. Again, the evidence finds that players who have an Achilles rupture or ACL rupture, he has both. They consistently have less minute, less games and minutes played the rest of their, their careers. So that, that would be correct. That's what I would think too. So. Whew. But I guess on the, let, let, let's take the, the, the flip side to this would be he has probably a better chance of being impactful in a smaller role than ever trying to be the player who played, um, you know, kind of basically led the Warriors in minutes for years, right? Yeah, exactly. I think from a minutes of workhorse perspective, you definitely are going to see less minutes. I would say around like, you know, that 25 minute mark is what I'm thinking. Higher impact. The, the one thing that I said, like in the video, people gave me flack for this. I'm not sure why. He's never really, really relied on his athleticism. Yes, he's athletic, right? But he sure. doesn't really rely on it as much as other players, like say a Westbrook or say a D Rose who tore right. the ACL, right? Yeah. So yeah. that to me is a positive sign for him. He's able to then, even if you watch him defensively, when I watch him, what sets him apart is his ability to read the, he reads the attack really well, right? That doesn't really require it to be the most physically adept player, which right. but you, of course you need some physicality, but I think that aspect for him does bode well for him to still have some impact. Okay. That, that was what I was going to ask next. So you kind of stole it there because I'm trying to look at it from an optimistic perspective. And I think that's really the only thing that you can say, but does it hurt him more on defense than on offense? Because on offense, it's not like he's going to the rim or he's like, yeah, or he's like, well, Steph he, Curry, he, was right? try, he was trying to, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's like now it's even less. But like, was like if Steph had these two injuries, like I would probably be like, ooh, like he might be like that might be it, right? If he had back to back ACL and Achilles, but with Clay six seven, he's playing shooting guard. Um, he's primarily the problem, I guess, it would be on defense. But on offense, he should be hopefully about the same, maybe just at twenty eight minutes a game, thirty minutes instead of like thirty eight in the playoffs, right? Forty. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think there's two things. One, I would agree it's more defensive because that does require some of like that quick that quick explosion movement, right? But something we've seen, for example, like with Wes Matthews, who I think I was reading like advanced stats, he was considered like the number two premier defender last season. He changed the way he's playing defense. He he got stronger and he, he uses more leverage now. So play might have to change some of his defensive technique to go to, to go to a less explosive but more kind of leveraging some of his strength aspects more so. I guess he would be like a roided, he would be like a really elite three and D. I mean, right now before the injuries, he was like the best three and D guy or like a top yep. three, three and D guy. Now it's more like hopefully upper tier, maybe top 20 guy would be what you're looking at because I'm looking at Rudy Gay's career. Right. And I'm like, okay, he can still ball, but he's not. not even close. Yeah. Not even close. Yeah, it's, it's so the real issue is is consistency, and that's that's where we're getting at. What Sam was getting at with the minutes amount. I think you just have to really use him in spurts in those critical moments and try to you know have him play in that way. So he's not going to be that workhorse. He can still be effective, but he won't be. I don't think he'll be that same play. That's fair. Um, I guess while we have you here, this is wholly depressing, but also just reality <laughs> uh last time we had you on the god every time we have you on the pod it's just a depressing subject kd right? last time it really is man it really is. <laughs> it's the nature <laughs> of uh of injuries 
recovery, right? I think it was Steph. It was uh, Steph, yeah. Steph, KD, and now Clay. Thanks, guys. Fucking Warriors fan page. Yeah, I was going to say, so Steph, um, he he broke his hand and everything. We haven't seen – or we saw him play one game before the COVID shutdown. Can't really hold that against anyone. Um, yeah. He should have no – issues or anything with his hand or anything right we're well beyond that right no he'll be fine and the biggest thing with the hand like you have to fight some stiffness but when you have a hand or even a general upper body injury you can still maintain most of your conditioning and so the, and that's the really the key thing when you come back from these lower body injuries is getting that in-game conditioning of course you can't it's hard to replicate that outside of a game right but it, it's still easier than you know being like for example what would play after the ACL or with the Achilles, like, I mean, you're booted up for a while or you're just doing, you're just trying to get back to walking. Right. So. Absolutely. All right. Well, we appreciate you coming on. Um, we have to have you on sometime not to discuss a catastrophic injury but in some other context, but we do appreciate yeah, it. And that sure. was informative. Yeah. Thanks for having me guys. Football is back in full swing. Well, I mean, Derek Carr playing the game of his life. The Niners defense playing the game of their lives on the biggest stage. Doesn't matter. Going against Patrick Mahomes, Sam, it's not pretty. <laughs> uh, you might not be at a game this year, but you can be on, in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today. Take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Promo code BlueWire, BetOnline.ag. That's BlueWire, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Indeed, 2020 has already shaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates and quickly, so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, and you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your jobs uh, criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering a listeners a $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it in fast. Try Indeed out with a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Uh, this is your best offer available anywhere. Um, go right now, indeed.com slash blue wire offer valid through December 31st terms and conditions apply. Well, that was a bummer to start the pod with, <laughs> but I, f- I feel like we knew that to a degree. It was just good to, you know, Raj Paul's the best. So, yeah. You know, I think, I think it's one of those things. If you're a Warriors fan, I think a lot of Warriors fans are kind of talking themselves into the season. I am. I'm talking to themselves in their season. And it, I think it's one of those things where you can't at a certain point in, in the, in the warriors, in this warriors phase, like this was going to happen, right? Like this, the end was going to happen. Right. Um, it sucks that it's come a little bit earlier. Um, at least like the, the, maybe not the end, but like we're, we've now, we're, we just fast forwarded a year, right? Like this was, and it, and it sucks the way it happened off the court, um, at least in terms of NBA action. 
And, um, you know, I, I do want to say I do think Clay can be a good player when he comes back and an impactful one. I just think his role needs to be reimagined, you know? Like, he may be Miami Heat Ray Allen. He may be somewhere in between that and what he used to be. Um, but I think we can't expect him to come back and be game six clay. This puts a little bit more pressure on, I think, like, I don't even I don't even want to think about Kelly Uber or Andrew Wiggins. I think this puts pressure a little bit on James Wiseman. Not him specifically, but on the fact that he needs to be a very, very good basketball player. I think what they needed him to be was like, like a like a solid center, even like two years from now, if he was like a solid defensive center, right, that can finish, right. that's fine. I think now, if you think that the Warriors could win another championship in the next five years, I think you need James Wiseman to be a lot better than that. Like he needs, not, he needs maybe to not be Chris more, Bosch, but like yeah, he, he needs, needs to, to be more than uh, like DeAndre Jordan. He needs to be more like he needs to be better than Miles Turner. Even like I, right. I don't think if he's Miles Turner that they can win a championship. Maybe, but they he, they need him to be better than that. Like a seven six wingspan guy, he should be like a defensive player of the year, and then someone that can, like he doesn't have to get you a bucket, but James Wiseman has to be a guy that could, like he's a score, right? Like you can right. pick and pop with him, and he can do a couple moves. Like he needs to be that guy, and that's where it's like, okay, I don't know if he can get there. To me, I was excited, you know, when they were looking at him because I was like, oh, he's a perfect fit, like for the next three years, right? And now it's like you need that perfect fit to be a star. Yeah, I will say this. I mean. I'm an optimistic guy like like you. Um, well, you're more optimistic than me. <laughs> With the Warriors. With the Warriors. Yeah. Um, I don't think all hope's lost. I think what sucks is we both wanted to see them have a shot with the core, the original three to go at it. And that's not happening this year. So now it's about reassessing our expectations for this year. And I'm looking at the moves that Bob's made, and it's not done yet, but it's infinitely better and more interesting than the roster they brought into last year without Clay. And I think they can absolutely make the playoffs. I think they potentially make some noise in the playoffs. And I think what's most important for this team now is to move this in a positive direction because as we're seeing in free agency, the Warrior cachet does not carry the weight it used to because players around the league don't really know what they are right now. It's not that they maybe don't believe in the culture. They don't respect staff, Clay and Draymond, but we just watched Marcus Saul go to the Lakers. And there's no doubt in my mind, Marcus Saul would be a warrior if Clay was healthy. Yeah. yeah. And to me, there's also no doubt in my mind, if the Warriors make some noise, if Steph proves it didn't even prove if Steph just reminds people who he is as a player and Wiseman looks promising. He doesn't even need to be that all-star level guy that you're talking about next year. He just needs to look like a guy that people are like, that dude's going to be really good, you know, yep. then next summer and beyond, they can get back into the mix and get more players. And they might even have a shot to put together a Spurs type team. Quite frankly, it's kind of what I always thought the direction they were going was. They they might have a shot to put together, you know, kind of like the back half of the Spurs dynasty where everyone wrote them off and all of a sudden they got Kawhi and all of a sudden you're like, wait, I, Tim Duncan's like 100. How is he still good? Right. Wait, how is Manu Ginobili still doing this? And, and you know, they're getting contributions from like Tiago Splitter and Boris Diaw and all this stuff. And all of a sudden you're like, you know, they don't have that – singular best player in the league force, but like 
they're just so good with so many winning players up and down. Yeah, the winning players thing is an issue now. I think the free agency problem is that they also can't offer like, hey, you're going to get 30 minutes cap. a game. Yeah. But I, I think more than that, like outside of the money, it's also like, let, let's say, for example, you can get like a, like a Wes Matthews, right? Right. Let's say Wes Matthews wants to come to the Warriors. Like, is he getting that many minutes? Because they do have Kelly Oubre. They do have Andrew Wiggins. Like, they do have a, a, a Pascal. They kind of have, like, they kind of have a set rotation up in the top seven. And it's like, and, and then they're in, the, they're in the weird space where it's like, all right, you can't get 30 minutes with the Warriors for sure. And you also can't uh, contend. Like, most players right. probably think, like, you can't win a championship, which is why, like, Wes Matthews signs for the men, right? Stuff like that. Like, like even the Bucks are getting some guys because they're like, okay, these guys might be able to contend. So, I think they're in a weird position. So, I think more importantly, they probably need to figure out, all right, is Kelly Oubre and Andrew Wiggins going to be winning players? Because you just said good winning players. I saw a clip that said Kelly Oubre is, like, he, he's, like, already thinking about playing beyond just one season because he is he's going to be an unrestricted free agent. Right. And it's like, can you get these guys to become – winning players um and i don't know but i think that should be the goal like because if you can get andrew wiggins and kelly Oubre this season to show that they can be part of like a 50 plus win team then it's like all right perfect then you can bring clay in and play him 30 minutes game and be fine so Um, let's let's talk about that then um so last summer we knew clay wasn't gonna play we kind of had some hopes he would play in the playoffs if the warriors made it there um you know steph breaks his hand in game four COVID happens, kind of, you know, none of that stuff mattered anymore, right? Uh, This year, obviously, they still have Steph and Draymond, and they will define where this team goes. If those guys are locked in, this team is a playoff, they should be in the playoffs. Uh, But when I'm looking at it, uh, Kelly Oubre, Andrew Wiggins, and James Wiseman is more exciting from a developmental perspective yep. than yep. D'Angelo Russell, yep. Willie Cauley-Stein, Glenn Robinson III, Alec Burks, and kind of what they ran out there last year. Obviously, they were hard-capped last year. This year, Joe Lacob's like, just carte blanche, take my wallet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One of his best quotes. Yeah. Uh, but, so I, I do think, let, let's start there. So um, Kelly Oubre was their first move in – the off season. And I think a fantastic move. Yeah. I think a fantastic move. They obviously paid like $80 million or whatever the money, everybody knows that. Uh, But it doesn't matter because it's just tax payments. Like what's like, he's just going to pay it. Who cares? So I think if you look at him in a vacuum, he's fine. Um, He's what, 24, 25 years old. Um, He's got a nice shot. He shoots 35%. Um, He's a, seven plus i think seven three wingspan or something crazy right yeah he's seven long. four wingspan and he's like six seven um to me he's like a um he's a bigger andrew wiggins to me like that few he it feels like to me he's gonna play the, th- the three a uh, little bit of the four andrew wiggins gonna be the two a little bit of the three um and i think that's that's something that you need like i would not have been happy if they had used that on rudy gay <laughs> right, yeah. you know what I mean. Like th- that is literally the player that they shouldn't get because that tells me he's a better player. I think Rudy Gay may be a better player than Ubre, but Kelly Ubre has a chance to be extremely good on the Warriors. Um, but that's also dependent on what we go back on, Sam. That's also dependent on what the hell is the coaching staff going to do with Kelly Ubre. So it's worth noting, and that's kind of what's changed. If they had a healthy Clay, I might say Rudy Gay makes more sense because you're trying to win a title this year. 
now you're yep. kind of yep. trying to see what you can build to make a move down the line to get back into contention. In which case, someone like Kelly Oubre, who maybe he's not as good as Rudy Gay, maybe he is, but you know, Rudy Gay's 34, Kelly Oubre's 24. One of them is in the twilight of their career playing the smart vet role. The other guy doesn't really know who he is yet. He's just off of his best season with Phoenix. Um, and those type of signings make a lot more sense given where the Warriors are than, you know, even Wes Matthews or um, Rudy Gay or any of those players would make. I think what the Warriors should do with someone like Kelly Oubre, I think, I think, I don't know if that's why they made the move. To me, it's like they made the move because it's like, well, we can't not use the traded player exception because we're not going to tank and we need to find some talent. And Kelly Oubre is the best option with the traded player exception. It's you can you have to put, you have to play a speed style. Like that's the only way that they can play basketball. I think with KD, you can play any style you want, right? Like with KD, I think they play like a pretty, like whatever, like either we're going to run or we're not. And KD doesn't want to run. He's like LeBron. He's like, just slow it down. But it like, doesn't matter. It's like, you got KD, Steph, Clay. Like you can play whatever fucking style you want. You're going to score. I think with this team, if you're going to play that same style, if you're going to run that motion, we talked about this before, but now it makes a lot more sense with the players that they sign. You absolutely cannot say, hey, let's let's slow it down a little bit. Let's let's make a couple passes. Let's try to figure out um, – Let's try to let's try to like dissect the defense uh, using IQ, right? Because they can't do that anymore. And I think that fits Steph and Draymond. Like it should be a perfect fit. It should be. Yeah. Once I get over the um, the inevitable feeling out period, this should be. Quite frankly, this is a Don Nelson team. This is a long, athletic team who should cause turnovers and should dominate in transition. They might not be the best half court team in the league, but they should get out there and absolutely own you in transition. The one thing that I'm noticing when I look at this roster compared to last year's roster, this is a pretty big roster. Ubre is a big wing. Wiggins is a big wing. Though, If those are your two starting wings, that's, I mean, maybe only the LA teams have bigger wings. And even then it's just LeBron and Kawhi who you and PG, who you're really right. talking about. Right. Um, most teams you're going up against, they have like a six, four guy and a six, six guy, not two guys who are six, eight, not two guys with seven plus foot wingspans, not two guys who are that athletic does not mean they're great players, but that's tools to work with and they can yep. do some stuff. I actually came across a great quote on Ubre. I remembered this and I had to make sure I wasn't like making this up in my head. Um, you know, who really likes Kelly Ubre? Oh boy. Kevin Durant in 2017 on one of the 40 podcasts that KD did with Bill Simmons. He said, I really like Kelly Oubre. I think he's my favorite bench guy in the league right now. He was playing so hard. He's crashing the offensive boards on every play. He's guarding Chris Paul full court. Like he really thought he could shut down Chris Paul. I know Ubre because he came to my camps a couple of years ago when he was in high school, when he was in college, his confidence level is high. Some of these young cats that come into the league, they got super confidence, uber confidence, and then they just go through the motion. They're just too cool. But he has a little, he has some dog in him. He might foul you hard. That's how I know actually if a young guy really wants it, they foul you hard and play physical. I was playing against him and he fouled me hard. And I'm like, I like that. I like that you care because a lot of these cats don't care about the game. And honestly, I've watched, I watched a decent amount of the Suns last year. 
that's kind of the best way to sum up Kelly Oubre. Like when he makes mistakes, it's mistakes from trying too hard. He, you don't have to worry about him being scared. You're almost worried about him thinking he's maybe better than he is. So I think the difference between, because I think there's a lot of similarities with Andrew Wiggins and Kelly Oubre in terms of there is a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of talent there. And it's like, well, they could be Paul George, but I think you and I agree that those two guys will never be Paul George. They'll never um, shoot it like Paul George. Yeah, and I think I think there was even a Jalen Brown comparison from, from one of our Twitter goons. Um, and I think uh, comparison being that, hey, super talented people, but uh, Jalen Brown was in a great situation. Wiggins and Oubre were not. And to me, you never know. Some of that's mental. I think Katie makes a great point. The difference between Wiggins and Oubre, though, if Wiggins is someone that plays hard and mistakes playing hard, Andrew Wiggins is not that guy, right? Andrew Wiggins is – he should play harder and try to make you always mistakes. You always feel like he's not playing hard enough. You always feel like he can do more. Yeah. And then so that's, that's, like a, that's an interesting perspective. Um, I think that's uh, – to me, it feels like a lot of this is on Ron Adams and Steve Kerr. A lot of this because I think Steph Curry is going to play how he's going to play. He's going to make people better. Draymond Green is going to make people better. He will find them for shots. Um, he'll make them better on defense. But it's like, what? Wh- where is Steve Kerr playing Kelly Oubre? Where is Steve Kerr playing Andrew Wiggins? Is Kelly Oubre going to be stuck at the three? Because I think he could be a very good four in small ball lineups with Draymond Green, maybe in the second unit. Right, like I think that will unlock a lot of what uh, what makes the Warriors good, and then you throw in Brad Wanamaker, Ken Bazemore, which we'll, maybe we'll get to here on this podcast. But, but um, like, how are you going to use guys like that? Because if they're going to play hard and make mistakes, you want to put them in a situation where that's good. Whereas, what we've seen in the past couple of years, if he if Kelly Oubre is put in a position where he's making mistakes passing the ball, Sam, then I think this this signing doesn't matter. Then why, why sign him? What, what's the point? Yeah, so I want to I want to break this down. So Ubre was in DC for a while, and he never really got a chance to start. They had Bradley Beal and um, Otto Porter ahead of him. He gets traded to Phoenix. He plays ninety six games for the Suns the last year and a half. Uh, obviously, COVID cut one season short, and then he just played like a quarter of a season with Phoenix post trade. In that period of time, he averaged eighteen and six, eighteen point six rebounds. He shot about 52% on two-pointers and 34% on three-pointers. You've noted it. His shot's prettier than his percentage. Um, It makes you think that the shot's not broken. It's definitely not broken. I think it can be a little better. And the one thing that stands out for me is for a guy who maybe people assume is one way, he he plays the opposite way. Like He's hyperactive. He gets a lot of points off cuts. He gets a lot of points off of just being active, hitting the glass. And I think that energy level will be infectious because when I look at this Warrior team, Draymond and Steph are still two of the smartest players in the league. You don't need Kelly Oubre to be a point forward. You need Kelly Oubre to move off of them. And, oh, wow, he has 20 points on 13 shots, and he got it mostly off of cutting off ball, running the floor in transition, dunking putbacks and hitting a few spot-ups. I keep putting these guys together, like Wiggins and, and Ubre, but it's like these guys average 20 points in pretty shitty situations. Like even if they're oh even if you make the case that they're an okay situation because these guys are getting volume, right? It's like all right, they got 20 points right. and these guys are getting volume. There's no better situation than playing next to Stefan Draymond. Obviously you want clay. You sure. want clay that's more spacing. So there's going to be a little less spacing with the starting lineup of 
Steph, Wiggins, Ubre, Draymond, and Wiseman. Like, I don't know how much spacing that is, but it's certainly better than like the start the, than, than the small ball. Well, and and more, more than anything, you're talking about one of the best scorers of all time who attracts more attention. Like, yep. how many and players? In the, how many players in the NBA attract the attention Steph does right now? LeBron and Harden, maybe. That's it. Like those are the only guys who you can think of who will get two to three defenders on them at all times. Like even playing with Carl Anthony Towns, which Wiggins did, teams aren't doubling and tripling Towns the way they do Steph. Yeah, um, I think Dame is probably a good comparison. Right, um, like he he's one guy there, but then it's like also Steph is a lot better <laughs> than Dame in terms of just straight shooting. Right, we're not even talking about the off ball stuff. Um, 20 points per game from these guys that were in mediocre situations. I think that's a very, uh, that's a telling sign. Obviously you can look at efficiency. You can look at all these things, but it's like sure. 20 points is 20 points. 20 points is 20 points. There are and tools there. Yeah. It's just how they maximize those tools. I'm excited to see the way that they play with those guys. Like you said, it has to be Nelly ball though. Um, the difference is here though, that James Wiseman is seven, six wingspan. He's seven, right. two, whatever, seven gone to Wiseman, really. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, okay, you can play Nelly ball. Nelly ball would probably be Draymond at the five for 30 minutes a game, right? That would be Nelly ball. But this is Nelly ball with a guy that can get up the floor faster than I think any other big in the league right now, outside of like AD. Yeah. So, that, so that's the thing I'm looking at. You got, you got Steph and Draymond who are proven high IQ winners. One is the greatest shooter of all time. One is the greatest glue guy of all time. I don't even know how yeah, you describe right, Draymond. Right. Like that's, he's a good, just, that's a good one. Yeah. He's just he, – he, the Draymond in, in fast break, too, is also one of the best ever to do that. Yep. And now instead of putting D'Angelo Russell in kind of, you know, Alec Burks, Glenn Robinson, these guys around him, you're putting guys with higher potential around them. Maybe not as good, maybe better. It's it's unclear, but it's giving the coaching staff, it's giving Ron Adams some really interesting players to try to develop. It's giving Steve Kerr some really interesting players to develop. It's giving the whole staff a higher ceiling than what they came into last season with. Yeah, it's um I find it exciting because like they've never had this type of length and athleticism. I think Bob Meyer said at the beginning of the season, like, hey, we're a little small. Hey, Lake upset it on our podcast, like, hey, we need some more size. Size doesn't mean get five centers, although they have five centers and they tried to get Marcus All, right? And but it also it, doesn't mean just go get like Enos Cantor, who's big but maybe no. not fast. Yeah. And it's like get these guys that are long. Now, I think what the Warriors think here, and let's get into this because I think the Warriors think that they can fix a lot of the other teams who have have these talented players, but they're not using them right. I think the Warriors think it's a market inefficiency by saying Let's get Wiggins and let's get Ubre because these guys aren't going to be good, but these guys will be good with Kerr, with Steph, with Draymond. And while that's great, Sam, I think there should be a part of them that that should think about, hey, why don't you just get these players yourself? Because now you're paying Ubre $14 million and you're paying Wiggins $30 million. And it's like, yeah, okay. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you can get these guys and they're in shitty situations and you get them better. But for the price that you're paying for these guys, they should already be that good. Whereas, like, why don't you just get a guy like um, – I come back to my favorite player, OG Ananobi. It's right. like, why don't you just get a guy like that and then that way you can – you can develop him and then he can cost whatever he costs. And then you can pay him later on instead of like, now you're paying him and you better hope that he's good. Well, that's a scouting conversation, which is a completely another podcast and I'm sure we'll do it next episode. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, you are correct that they're kind of paying for 
their mess ups in scouting over the past few years. They wouldn't have to pay Ubre and Andrew Wiggins the amount of money they did if they could scout a Kevin Herter at the 20th pick, if they could scout an OG Ananobi at the 20 something pick, if they could even scout like this guy's not nearly as good as those guys, but Kyle Kuzma was the 27th pick overall. Would you rather have Kyle Kuzma or Jacob Evans? Right. Or, um, right. you know, it's like, so there's the Anthony Melton got like 30 mil, right? Like it's, yeah, what? they're paying, they're paying to a degree for their, um, their mistakes in the scouting cycle. And, you know, that's fine. I think from a Warrior fan perspective, I like the fact that they're at least willing to right. pay for it because right. Right. you could have the flip side, which is like, well, we're just going to keep drafting and trusting that we won't mess up next time. And in the meantime, you guys are going to get to watch a bunch of six four dudes who are not athletic enough and it's going to really suck. Yeah, I think that's that's the fear. Um, but but the good thing is like they can pay. They, they can pay. I know you've made the Giants comparisons, right? Um, to where it's like now you're paying, but it's like the Giants were paying for proven players, um, and those players just really fell apart, and they weren't that good anywhere. Anyway, um, I think they the Warriors are doing something a little bit different. There's a lot more talent here. There's a lot more upside here. Uh, but again, again, again you, they're, bank, you, they're banking on. That's what I'm saying. Like they're banking on these guys to be good sam like it's not it's not the way you want to build a team you do you do bring up a good point um Ubre is 24 evan longoria was 33 you know like it's a little it's it's a little like the warriors if if, they, if it was a full giants comparison the warriors would have got rudy gay and like banked on the fact that they could like magically yeah them. yeah so now, though, I think it does come down to one thing because I think the Giants, I mean, they, their scouting was trash and they didn't have a farm system. What the Warriors, they had pretty much like a godsend. It's not a godsend. Steph broke his hand. Clay tore his ACL. So it's not a godsend. But take that out and they got a godsend with a number two pick. And they got, in my opinion, the guy with the highest floor and the highest ceiling in the draft. Right. And you better, like they better figure out how to develop James Wiseman. They Same. better be right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he doesn't have to be Chris Bosch. He doesn't have to be Tim Duncan. Uh, David Robinson. Uh, David Robinson. He doesn't have to be that guy. That's too much. That's too much pressure. Like nobody thinks that James Wise is going to be that guy, but he better not be. Help me out here. He better well, not like be. Willie Stein. Yeah. <laughs> he, like, Another big man with the same size and athleticism, but just that's about where the comparison ends. <laughs> you be, Because you know what? I don't know if I would blame James Wiseman for that. I think for me, it's like Steve Kerr. What the f- like what happened? How can James Wiseman become Willie Colley Stein, right? Because he has the tools and he's on a team that has Steph Curry and Draymond Green. Ste- Willie Colley Stein went to where did he go? Sacramento? Like yeah. he he was like he was in no position to succeed and he might not have ever succeeded. But James Wiseman better be a, at least a very good basketball player. At least. And that, yeah. that's gonna be on the Warrior staff. Definitely. All right, let's talk about they made two other signings, um, at least as we're recording this at 9 p.m. on Sunday night. Brad Wanamaker and Kent Bazemore. You're, let, let's start on Wanamaker. So that one caught me a little off guard. Yeah, um, 31-year-old point guard, but he is a good player. And I actually think we can talk about them in the same vein. Obviously, Warrior fans are going to be much more familiar with Kent Bazemore because he played for the Warriors a bunch a while back. And, you know, he's, he's a fun guy and he fits everything. Um, they both kind of fit the profile of older vets the Warriors are hoping 
can potentially help mentor younger players. Yes. Obviously, you have Stefan Draymond, but if we look at the rest of the roster, I'm looking at right now, Eric Pascal's in year two. He's 24. Andrew Wiggins, 25. Kelly Oubre is 24. Jordan Poole is 21. James Wiseman, who's the most important player on this roster now, he's in my opinion, he's more important than Steph. Mm-hmm. Not because he's better, but because what he does matters more to the trajectory. He is the, he is the, the pivot point to the next five years. Yep. Yeah, exactly. He's 19. They need to quote unquote have the right culture, and I all and I do believe they can't just have Steph, Draymond, and 13 kids under 25 because Great. Steph, Steph, Steph's a good leader, but you know. Steph can't mentor 12 kids at once. And Steph's also a good leader amongst men. These guys aren't yeah. men. Like, like in, in basketball terms, obviously, like, correct. correct. Walks in the room and he's like 6'7". Like, he'd like, look like children. Uh, although you're like 6'3". So, yeah, right there. You're Steph's height. Um, but he, can't, he just can't. Like, there's no way unless he has that LeBron style, right? Where LeBron's a different – like, Steph and LeBron are different. LeBron is like, you better do what the fuck I want or I'm setting your ass out. Hey, even, even LeBron. Has LeBron had success with younger players? No. Yeah. He has success leading – <laughs> that Laker team is not exactly filled with children. Like how Kuzma's 25 or 26 and everyone else is like 30. Nobody can. You can't expect Stefan Draymond to do that. And so I think those are great signings. I also think – now, I'm going to be honest with you. Didn't watch much uh, Brad Wanamaker, um, but – if he's looking, I didn't like the fact that they used a part of the mid-level exception for that, Sam. That tells me they still have $3 million left, but I don't know if they're going to get anyone at $3 million. Like, are they just using the MLE on Brad Wanamaker? Uh, I don't know. And then you got Baines is gone. Gasol is gone. But I think Baines was never going to sign for five mil. And then Gasol is like, how much did he sign for? He just wasn't ever going to go to the Warriors because he wants to win a championship. Yeah, he was, He the, the Gasol, Gasol is really a reminder to Warrior fans that like, the rest of the league kind of needs to see what the Warriors do before they put them in that conversation of teams I'll take a discount for. Yep. I think that save player exception, they're obviously not going to use it before the season starts. Um, I think they have until April, I believe. Correct me there. Um, but I yeah. think that's something that they're going to use if they are the five seed. Let's say they're the five seed, Sam, uh, with about 20 games left or whatever, however many games left is on the schedule. Even if they're the seventh seed, even if they're like in the lower half of the playoffs and they need a player to push themselves higher. Yep. Nine million dollars? Yeah, yeah, like nine million dollars. Like the obvious name is like P.J. Tucker. Like let's say they're the seven, six, seven seed and they're like, well, we can get P.J. Tucker. We can probably bump ourselves to like the four or five seed and we're going to be a problem in the postseason. Like to yeah. me, that, that like that's that's like you're not looking to win a championship, of, of, but you want to. Um, I think the goal is probably to 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 get to the Western Conference Finals. If if I were the Warriors, like a real realistic, even that's a stretch, right? But I think that's what the nine million dollars is for. I'd be very curious what they use the rest of the taxpayer mid level. Sam, like I don't you mean bring back Glenn Robinson the third. I, I think that would be a great. I think that would be yeah. a great move. Again, again, you're at this point. You're there's no more upside left out there. I don't, I don't think there's much upside left out there. Glenn and Robinson the upside, the third is only twenty six. <laughs> he seems like he's finished and polished and like you're looking to develop those three guys Wiseman, Ubre, Wiggins those are the guys that you need to build and Smiley Gage I mean obviously like you're looking to build those guys <laughs> you're looking to build those guys and um I think Wanamaker or Ken, Ken Bazemore's case like that's like that's the people that you need because um, also the Warriors are going to have some shitty games and some shitty stretches Ken Bazemore is the greatest bench celebration player of all time uh also, I'm pretty sure he signed because he's Steph's boy. Um, so that, that's that's the other thing. But he is a decent enough basketball player. I mean, and look, it's a vet man, right? Like, you're not really going to get anything better than Ken Bazemore. 
Um, so I think those were good signings. Those were good signings. I don't think the Warriors did anything wrong. I don't think they could have done anything better. I think some people are like, oh, wh- how come the Warriors aren't doing this? How come they aren't doing that? It's like, well, I don't think they could have done anything, Sam. Like, did, were they supposed to sign Serge Ibaka, who got like a discount? I mean, he signed like two years for 19 mil, but it's like, how could the Warriors have gotten Serge Ibaka? There's no way. Um, yeah, another player I think they may have had a shot at before Clay went down. Uh, and, you know, once Clay went down, the, the trajectory changes. This team's kind of thinking more about, like, can we make noise and remind people that this is still a top destination? And then we go from there. Yeah. So, um, all in all, I think it's a good offseason. I think maybe there's a couple moves left to make. I think maybe they have a couple roster spots um, that they can build out there. I think Mark Mulder – or, sorry, Michael Mulder is is someone that I would hate to see gone. I think Juan Toscana Anderson and Kai Bowman, to me, is like – they're not – Kai's really, already gone. So. He's gone, right? But, like, to me, it's like I don't know if I care if they're on the team anymore um, because it's like Kai Bowman's like, all right, he might be an NBA player, but I just – I'm a dozen. And then Toscana Anderson is like he just has no shot. It's like there's just nothing there. Mike Mulder is someone that can shoot, presumably, even though he shot like 30%, and he has some length. So it's like that could could be a guy. I would hate to see him go. Um, but that's about it. It's like there's really nothing else they could do here. Like if you lost Clay, you lost your leverage. Yeah, I mean, so we're, I'm going to read the roster out to you right now. Um, in the backcourt, you have Steph. Behind him, you have Wanamaker and Jordan Poole. You also have Bazemore and Damian Lee. Um, that's five guards there. Da- Bazemore is obviously long enough to guard wings. Uh, yeah, he could go maker can play multiple guard positions. Jordan pools to be seen. Damian Lee going to give you some energy scoring here and there. Yep. In terms Better of pure up. bigger wings, they have Ubre and Wiggins at the kind of three, four position. They have Draymond and Pascal. And then at the center position, Wiseman, Looney, who we haven't really talked about, but hopefully he's healthy. Marquise Chris, who was productive for them last year, and Smiley each. So what are you looking for them to do to round out this roster? I, How many me, spots are left, Sam? There. Two, three, four. I think they have at least two spots, if not three. So it depends if they want to waive Damian Lee because he's not guaranteed. Um, they could do some, some things there, but let's say two spots. You got two roster spots. Yeah, you, I mean, obviously, wing. Right, like Glenn Robinson the third. He loves the Warriors. He loves Kerr. Like he loves that system. That system he's still great. got a little upside. He may, he's not going to be a star, but he's got upside to be a productive player. I would be very happy with Glenn Robinson the third. Um, that that's an easy pick there, and I think it like what I would probably give more than a fifty percent chance that he, he signs again with the Warriors. He's probably trying to get a right. little bit more money. Um, but I think that's a good signing. You you maybe even cl- you maybe even closing with him um, if if the night calls for it. Uh, I think you want that. And then you want like a veteran big. All the veteran bigs are gone. So there's really like nothing out there that you can get. But like the Zaza type is probably someone that you want now because you're not getting Gasol. You're not getting Baca. You're not even getting Aaron Baines, right? But that's probably like the two things that you want from this team. Because let's say, for example, James Wiseman just isn't effective for them. He's a fucking rookie. So it's like, we also like, we haven't mentioned this. He, he's pretty physically developed for 19 but that's 419. I don't know that he's ready to play 30 minutes a game against Jokic, Steven Adams, and you know, I can just keep going down the list. Like you might be just setting him up for failure. So they do need someone else, if nothing else, just to eat minutes. Yeah. Um, and then Looney, it's like, all right, like, yeah, he can eat some maybe. I think another big piece here is Eric Pascal. Sam, Eric Pascal has to be 
for them for them to be like a very good regular season basketball team, Eric Pascal has to be a very good basketball player. And it's like not really hard analysis. This is what people come to the Light Years podcast for. But like they <laughs> right, like it's like, but it's also Eric Pascal has to be good. Like he he does. He he has to be better than he was last season. Um, and that's another guy that has that upside and that has that like can Steve Kerr and Rod Adams get Eric Pascal to be a good defender and a right. shooter. Like those are the things where you're like, all right, can Eric Pascal get there? He already has last season. He's been like, he's going to be an NBA player, but I think me and you think he's more of like an NBA player in terms of like, yeah, he'd be good on the Memphis Grizzlies or like the Atlanta. Right. Like, like, no, actually, you know what? The New York Knicks, like if he was on the New York Knicks, like they would love him. He would average like 18 points a game. They'd be like, oh my God, Eric Pascal's this guy, like blah, blah, blah. But with the Warriors, it's like, yeah, the way he scores 18 points is not the way that he, like he's not going to score any like he's not that's just not the way the Warriors play basketball like a lot of his buckets are his ISO so can they get Eric Pascal to be a good basketball player so let's throw that in the list so it's Andrew Wiggins Kelly Oubre James Wiseman and Eric Pascal and let's uh, let's say this again Pascal has a seven foot wingspan he's six six yeah he's hyper athletic they have players or tools to develop they have the tools that the coaching staff wants which is long and athletic Mm -hmm. players so Mm -hmm. it'll be interesting to see what they do with them you don't just get players that are just like, you're not always going to get extreme IQ players. You, you just, it's not how it works. You get your Draymonds, you get your Stephs, you get your Clays, and then, you know, you, you get lucky. Right. It's Livingston it, and Godala. Yeah. Actually, it's, they, they traded and got signed those guys. So good for them. But it's like, you don't, you don't normally get <laughs> Livingston, Igodala, Draymond, and Bogut and Steph right. on the same team. All are capable of being the high IQ guy on a team. Like, even, like, you look at the Lakers, right? Like, to me, it's like, well, they got KCP and Kuzma, who plays roles on the team. And it's like, those guys aren't geniuses. But they no, were a big part of why they won the championship, especially especially uh, KCP, right? And, and even J.R. Smith. Like, those guys, like, they're not geniuses, but it's like, well, you can work with that because they can they can shoot. They can defend. Like, they do enough of that. And it's like, can you get those guys to play winning basketball with you? You just can't always have... It's it's like girlfriends, yeah. You can't just because we have one girlfriend that does this, and the next girlfriend is like you can't have the same thing. Like it didn't work. It does, you gotta you gotta keep uh, you gotta adjust, right? Is what I'm trying to say. And I would be very. Uh, I would say this. I guess we can end on a little bit on this. I was a little. Um, I'm optimistic a little bit with Steve Kerr because I think that he just didn't want to play that style with D'Angelo Russell. Can you blame him? Right. It's D'Angelo mm-hmm. Russell. Yeah. You know, it's like D'Angelo Russell. Okay. With Steph Curry back and Draymond Green and these athletes, I would, I think he's going to adjust. But again, it's going to be dependent on what we see the first month of the season. Um, but I'm a little optimistic because I do feel like he has those guys and he has Steph Curry at the front. I just don't think you want to play that style when you have someone like he's just not good to demand that style. He's not he's not good enough to demand that style. Um, and I think they have enough good players to demand that style now. And we'll get into this over the next month. Um, this has been kind of an emotional week. Like it's, I, I cannot stress how much of a gut punch it was for us to be that hyped about the draft and then to get the clay news right before it. Like, I feel bad for James Wiseman too. James Wiseman was about to have the biggest moment of his career. And all anyone can think of is the clay Thompson news. Um, but we move on. We'll pivot on. We have a month before the season starts. Literally the season starts in 30 days. Shout out Steph Curry, number 30. And we'll we'll go from there. We'll get into it. We'll do a little more Kelly Oubre analysis in the next week. We'll do a little 
um, what we want to see from Wiggins, what we're expecting from Wiseman. We'll get into this. We'll, we'll look into all of it because I think it's still an exciting season. Expectations have changed, but this team has potential to make noise in the playoffs. And to me, as long as Steph and Draymond stay healthy, I'm super excited and interested to see what happens at the West of the roster. Can Kelly Oubre develop? Can Andrew Wiggins develop? What is James Wise? James Wiseman going to be the next great big man? Or is he, you know, can he be a big piece of the future? Because the Warriors need him to be. Um, we haven't even talked about the Minnesota pick in the draft full of like 4 billion Jalens. You know, it's, it's all this stuff. It's not the season Warrior fans wanted coming up, in my opinion. The Warrior fans oh, wanted no. to see yeah. wanted to see Steph Clay and Draymond gun for the Lakers to see if they could win it this year after a year off. But, you know, there's still some excitement to be had here. Yeah, that's the Sam I like to hear. I think this 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 is I think it's like what are you gonna do? You can't mope all day long about the clay being out, right? Like I, I get it. They're not gonna well, be you, a you log team. online, there are people who can mope all day long. <laughs> I mean, that's true, um, but, you know, it, it is what it is. There's nothing you can do now, and I think there is, like, I think for the people that are listening, I think there's no issues kind of uh, building yourself building yourself up watching this team, especially in the offseason. I think there's a lot of talent here, and I wouldn't be surprised if they end up being a top-four team in the West. They may not be the top-four team in terms of record, but, like, I would not be surprised if by the end of the season that the Warriors are one of the four teams left in the Western Conference. Again, I feel like that's a success, but to me, I don't think that that's out of question. I think you have the Clippers there. You have, like, a Baca great pickup, right? Way better than Trez. Um, then you have the Lakers right there, top of the list. Uh, and then you beyond the that, nug- you have the Nuggets. They've proven what they've proven. They've proven what they've proven, but to me, still not really. But yeah, go ahead. You, go, you, you were saying. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, obviously, you know, there's teams like Dallas and Portland. G- God knows what's going to happen with Houston. Mm-hmm, uh, but mm-hmm. like all these teams where you're like on paper, maybe they're in a better situation, yep. but I don't think they're unbeatable at this point. Yep. And I, I think there's, you know, it, it may be a rocky season for the Warriors, but there's upside here as long as Steph and Draymond stay healthy for them to be a interesting team. Yeah. Because like you even look at, like I look at the nuggets and I look at Portland, I think are probably like three and four up there. Like to me, Houston's like, they're going to be gone. Um, And it's like in a playoff series and a best of seven, I don't see any reason why the Warriors can't beat them. They may be underdogs though. They may be, they probably will be, but I don't see a reason why they can't beat them. And that's what makes like, that's what makes sports fun. Like that's the point of the shit. It's like, we watch it because we, we want to believe see- is we believe back. Well, I think they're a little bit too good to be, we believe anymore, but I think, well, here, here's the thing. I think there's going to be more highlights this season um, in terms of like the, the, the standard like athleticism highlights, right? Like the highlights we're used to is like transition, ping, 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 clay shoots a three crowd goes nuts. But I think now we're talking like, like Steph dribble drive and then alley oop to James Wiseman coming out from the rafters. Like that's shit we've never seen. Even like Wiggins and, Ube, and then like, fake crowd noise goes nuts because there'll <laughs> be no fans in the stands. It's just me and you. <laughs> It'll just be me and you in the stands or like, however, like 20% capacity. But I think that's the type of stuff where it's like, yeah, I think like, I think we're reaching if the Warriors were a lottery team, like last season, if we said this, it would be like, oh, okay, what the fuck are these guys talking about? But we think the Warriors are going to be a playoff team. Like should be a, pl- do you- all right, let's end it this here. They should be a playoff team. Sam, do you agree or disagree? They should be a playoff team. If they stay healthy, they should be a playoff yeah. team. Yeah. yeah. And I hate throwing that caveat in there, but after last year, I have to throw that caveat in there. 
I mean, with this team, right? Like it, it is. I mean, look at the Lakers. If LeBron's out, I don't care who the fuck they have around. They're going to be an eight seed or like a nine seed, right? Like if LeBron's, if God forbid, like he injures himself, like he's done. The Lakers are done. So it's the same thing with the Warriors. If Steph is out, he's done. Even with Draymond Green, like if Draymond Green's done for the season, then it's like, well, now you're fighting for an eight seed. So um, I think there's a lot of, lot of things to look forward to. Um, All right, man. We'll be back in another day. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com